Welcome to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a guide live podcast on another B2B jam session. Today, I am excited because I'm talking to a pretty phenomenal, fantastic woman, leader, technologist, entrepreneur, Asra Nadim, who is building a media company powered, powered by artificial intelligence, Opus AI. She's also the president and investor at Draper University Ventures. She's a global business builder who designs and operationalizes successful strategies to accelerate revenue, product advantage, and market position in intensely competitive technology sectors in emerging markets, including e-learning, which is pretty awesome. She's super passionate about education because she does so much of it herself. She's currently backing solutions driven by artificial intelligence and machine learning that will skyrocket human potential, as she calls it, and define the future of work, which is, as you all know, our favorite subject on our live show. She frequently speaks and writes about empowerment through technology and automation and mentors entrepreneurs in emerging markets to enable social change. And I'm just pretty excited to talk to her because she's really, really brilliant. Her and I have had conversations before. And on this episode, we're going to dive deep on her background, what inspired her to do the work that she does, and more importantly, her thoughts on the future of work and really the future that we are currently building and living in. With that said, let's bring her on the show. Hey, Asra. Hi. I am going to screen grab that intro. And then every time somebody's like, introduce yourself, I'd be like, here. <laughs> a much better job than I can ever do. So Thank you so much. I appreciate that. How are you doing? How are you holding up? I am good. I haven't slept in like 26 hours. So, wow. but it's okay. I'm good. Yeah, always hustling, always hustling. So where are you tuning in from? Where are you where are you beaming in from now? Uh San Mateo, California. San Mateo, San Mateo, California. So out here in the Bay Area. So if you're listening, you're tuning in from San Mateo, or you're tuning in from Oakland, or you're tuning in from California, please show love. We're here to show you love and recognize you. Shout out That's to a beautiful, Kimberly. bright, sunny day. So right? yes. Yes. So let us yeah. know. Shout out to Kimberly, who is tuning in. Kimberly is one of our top fans of the show. Thank you so much, Kimberly. Oh, hi, Kimberly. <laughs> this lovely afternoon. So, you know, Asra, I would love for you to share a little bit about, you know, your background because you do a lot and people don't realize how much you do. So I would love for you to share a little bit about how long you've been working in tech and just a little bit of the things that you do in multiple markets. Sure. How long have I been working in tech? Since I was 13 years old and I first realized that you could hop on the internet and make money. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I think you and I, we've talked about this before. So for me, I think the best way, the only way to freedom is through financial freedom. Mm. Any, All of your freedom of expression, thought, movement, everything is tied into financial freedom. And I think technology and internet is a great um, way to get to that point. And that's kind of where most of my work has been. I started my first company in college and, and even before college. So I grew up in Pakistan and uh, there was something called MIRC, which was a relay chat long before any of the fancy um, apps we have right now. And hello, Rick from Sacramento. Right, right next to us. Um, and I made a whole bunch of friends internationally and I would just buy this like super expensive, like 
American or British chocolates, I would get them to send those chocolates to me in Pakistan. And then I would just sell them at a premium to kids in college or actually in Pakistan, um, you kind of date under the tables. So you can't like as a culture date other people. Yeah. So I would just like sell my chocolates to all these you know, hidden lovers and even deliver on their behalf because being a woman, I could just like pretty much go to anybody's house. So, and that was my first job. But then um, from there on, I've always worked in early stage tech startups who raised venture capital quite a few times. And um, one of the things that I got very interested in early on, again, on the theme of how do you make money? How do you become rich? How do you you know, because nobody tells you these things, like at mm -hmm. least not in my culture. Nobody talks about money. Nobody talks about investing. Nobody talks about, you know, okay, how do you, where do you take your money and how do you go? So I started um, doing something called fantasy investing, where I pretty much just made a sheet. And every time I would go on like AngelList or Crunchbase or anybody would say, oh, I'm starting a company, I would talk to them and, you know, just kind of write things down, like write my own investment memo down, just yeah. like kind of track that company for the next two to three years to see um, had I had money to invest in it, how would have I done? And then I started investing very small amounts, like $1,000 or $2,000. And the first time I lost my first $2,000, I was like, crap, I should have just bought that Cartier necklace. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's kind of how I started. But most of my, so my time is to, um, some of, managing other people's money is not a lot of fun it sounds like fun but it's not a lot like being in venture capital at least for me was not a lot of fun i like building things that's the side that i like to be on so i still spend a considerable amount of time working on the fund and um, the pre-accelerator but most of my time otherwise is spent on building the company that we're working on. Yeah. So let me ask you, because, you know, you, you really mentioned about the power of financial literacy, and that's something that I've shared a lot of, lot of about on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And really that I, we, we often, even with, with our platform that we're building guy, you know, personal finance is one of the topic categories where people can create content for. And I think that right now, more than ever, financial literacy is incredibly crucial as we face a recession for you. How did you learn, like develop your financial competency? Was it just by trial and error or did you just really kind of consume books? And if so, what were some of the books that you, that you uh, read that, that really kind of got you up to speed or leaders that you uh, referenced? Yeah. So, I mean, how I got started was it was literally just like, I remember somebody, I think it was my mom or somebody said, well, when you make money, you can decide what you want to eat. It was something as simple as like, I don't want to eat this. And she was like, when you're paying for dinner, you can decide what you want to eat. Yeah. I was like, all right, then I'm going to figure out how do I pay for this so I can decide what I'm going to eat. Right. And uh, from there on, it just kind of, I think in my case, I very quickly figured out that no matter what the opportunity or where you are in your life there mm -hmm. is always something that you can do that other people want so you mm -hmm. just have to figure out what is that something that people want and then compound on that right so you have to learn something called compounding which is mm -hmm. you have to compound your time and then that helps you compound your money and you kind of you know the only way to get rich is you know you your money has to make money while you sleep. I think it's so. Yeah. Uh, oh, so I just kind of learned from there. And I, again, 
living in Pakistan, I did not have, we don't have a stock exchange that you can like, you know, just go in and invest. <laughs> people put money under their mattress. And um, the only way to kind of, you know, make money on that money is that you kind of, I would just very quickly, I learned the concept of equ equity mm. um, in having a stake in something else that you're not doing. So for example, if somebody I knew was starting a business, I would just mm. give them money and be like, you know what, I'm going to get X percentage of your profit. So mm. those are things that I learned very early just by observation. Mm. And um, unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, I did not have like mentors. Mentorship is a very American concept. Yeah. Like back home, if you're like, oh, I want to mentor people are like, who, what? Me? <laughs> My parents would have been like, aren't we sending you to school? Why do you want a mentor? Do you want tuitions? Like, they wouldn't know what a mentor does or who a mentor is. So I think, so over the course of my time of, of my life so far, I've learned different things from different people. Mm -hmm. And I think financial literacy is just something that was very tied to my sense of freedom as a person and my sense of freedom as an individual. So it was just something I worked extra hard on. But one thing I understood very, very early on was compounding. And um, so, and I'm, I think I'm very lazy. So I don't like doing anything that's like repetitive. So I would try to figure out, okay, how can I save my time here? And then, you know, just do this thing there. And yeah. that's kind of how it started. That's so wise. It's so wise. And, you know, the law of compounding uh, of compounding is such a fundamental thing when it comes to financial literacy or building a business or starting in investing. And, you know, I, I, I often, you know, find myself having to educate people on it because yeah. it's something that we don't teach people in school or especially once they graduate college. No. I want to show love to Kimberly Freeman, who is loving everything that you're saying. She's saying financial literacy is vital, especially if you are learning a new skill. She's also saying, thanks for the sharing the information. Where should someone start to learn this information? So I think she just, uh, she asked that a little bit as uh, as as we were talking. And, you know, you asked for a share that you can learn from reading, <laughs> one, two, and also doing. Yeah, so if you can, so there's, uh, so right now there's a lot of literature out there, right? So you can go to, even if you go to something like Robin Hood or, um, a lot of people publish their, uh, there's a bunch of S1s available on the market. There's also annual reports that are published by different people. So there's a lot of things that you can do. They're like articles um, that are published, financial literature. But I think the basic place to start is figuring out 20% of your income is usually like whatever your disposable income is, 20% of your disposable income, something that if you lose, it's not going to um, hinder your life uh, by too much. And um, just kind of putting that into investing or investing that and putting that into stocks and bonds to begin with. And then just if you qualify as an accredited investor, so an accredited investor is somebody who makes uh, 200,000 a year as an individual, 300,000 as a family, or has a million dollars in net worth or something. Sure. So if you qualify for that, even then you can start by putting just like a thousand, $2,000 in syndicates or something. And then, um, finding things to do that you enjoy. That's like yeah. so important. Yeah. And, 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 and I think one of the, the biggest asset class that people often um, 
fail to realize is that entrepreneurship, private equity, you investing in entrepreneurs is an awesome asset class to participate in, especially if you know people who are building really cool stuff. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. But it's also a very risky asset class, yeah. right? Because yeah. a lot of those people do lose money. Like not all startups take off and you can lose a lot of money. But also there's like two things, right? There's like a career risk and there's an opportunity risk. Mm. And so depending on where you are in life, I think your risk appetite is different and understanding that risk appetite and just starting with something small. Like yeah. even if it's $10 a week, just don't eat that meal like at McDonald's mm. or wherever and um, or wherever you go out and eat. Just don't buy that like fried chicken or something. And because that's where I spent my money. I <laughs> fried chicken. So it's like just just start putting that money aside, investing it somewhere because just putting it aside where nothing happens to it also isn't good. Mm. And same goes for your time, right? Start figuring out, okay, how do you compound your time? How can you get more value out of your time? So anything repetitive that you do that can be automated, automated, and then uh, just kind of make more of it. You know, speaking on automation, you know, you're it's it's a it's a technology area that you're passionate about and that you actually also educate people around. So what are the opportunities that you think for us to humanize automation technology in today's age? What do you mean by humanize? So, you know, a lot of people often talk about like automation being it's going to take over jobs. It's going to completely, let's say, leave human beings defunct. Right. And we won't be able to participate in a new economy due to automation. And the reality is that that's not the case. Right. There's a lot of different technology now that you can use, whether it be the human cloud or just really, you know, finding ways to integrate different you know, solutions or technology within your own portfolio that actually helps you and benefits you. So, for example, you know, I actually use this AI bot called uh, uh, called X.AI. And mm -hmm. every time I use it, I've had people actually tell me, oh, my goodness, scheduling should be for humans, which is like a really weird concept. Right. It shouldn't be for humans. <laughs> Nobody enjoys looking at your schedule and figuring out what time works best for you. <laughs> no one and it, yeah. it, it's really it's not it doesn't bring any value to anyone's time. I think it's more to do with X. It's just annoying. Yeah. It keeps asking you the same questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now it's gotten a lot better, but it's to be really stupid. Yeah, exactly. So what are your thoughts on how we can humanize it and make it more palatable for people and be okay with it? Okay, so first of all, I don't think it's going to take away it's going to create a lot of new jobs as well, mm -hmm. right? So nobody, no human in the world wakes up. Or maybe some people do, I don't know. But mostly, we're not as humans designed to wake up every morning and get excited about, oh, so today I'm going to repeat the same task that I did yesterday yeah. and get paid the same amount of money that I got paid yesterday. That's yeah. not something that excites you. That's not something that, you know, that's not how we as a society progress. We as a society progress when we automate things that are repetitive and then go to the next frontier. That's how you kind of get there. And uh, the thing with automation is that, so what are the things that it's going to automate to begin with? Things that are, they're like nobody likes scheduling. Like no. I, nobody wants to figure out what time works best for the two of us. Nobody wants to go through a list or like an Excel sheet and do, oh, check, check, check. Today I'm going to be a bank teller and I'm going to count money. Like, no, like you can enjoy the human aspect of your job, right. but there is no in hell that you like clicking on things for a job all day. 
Like, human mind is the best thing in the universe. It's creative. It has endless possibilities. It can think, reason, be rational. And that's where your mind and your time is truly utilized. And I think once you have more interesting jobs, which are going to happen with automation, we'll also see an intersection of creativity and technology. That's also something that we haven't seen yet. So I haven't seen a lot of yet, right? When we talk about, and I'm not talking about Instagram creativity where you put a filter on your face and, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but actual creative jobs. So for example, if you're somebody who loves writing, but you're also somebody who enjoys, um, you don't have to be a computer scientist or you don't have to be uh, like an art major anymore. There are technologies that are going to help you take that creativity and build something with it. Like we have codeless applications right now. You'll have codeless design. You'll have, so again, Things that excite humans are explore, exploration and kind of figuring out where that next frontier is. Yeah. It's not repetition, and the robots are only going to take jobs that are extremely boring and mind-numbing. So true, so true. Much love to Jeff Ritter, who's saying slices of stocks are good now for beginning of inve- beginning investors, especially in emergent categories such as mental health autonomous vehicles, electric vehicles. So definitely look into invest in those different areas. Shout out to Rick Lewis, who's saying frugality is important. I love it. And often sometimes people think frugality means poor or not spending money. It's just being very intentional in how you spend your money and ensuring that it compounds. So shout out to Rick, who understands the concept of frugality. Much love to Shalika, who says, I agree with you. She just loves what you're saying. So she's definitely in tune with what you're saying, Asra. So now, Asra, thank you. You are very relatable and authentic. So she's loving your energy as well. So, you know, that this brings me to my, my next question for you, Asra, because you were just talking about how the human mind is a creative thing. Like what we thrive off as human beings is creative intelligence, being able to communicate and adapt. I think one of the most powerful skills right now that any leader can develop is storytelling. And I would love to get your thoughts on storytelling and technology and really how important is it um, in today's day and age? So before we get to your storytelling question, I just had a comment about the previous um, thing. And while you were going through comments, it just quickly came into my mind. So about investing, whenever, whatever you want to start with, even if you want to be really start really, really small, be intentional. And that intentionality is called building a thesis around something. So it's called an investment thesis. Have a thesis. Have a thesis for anything. Just pick one field that you're extremely excited about. Be that mental health, be that um, robotics, be that autonomous cars. Just pick one thing and just start with that. Have an opinion about it and then put a little bit of your money into validating that opinion you're either right or you're wrong if you're right you make money then you put more money in there right so that's kind of how you think about investing it's extreme don't just like spray and pray that that doesn't unless you have a lot of money and then you can spray and pray. <laughs> but if you're poor like me or you poor, but if you don't have a lot of money like i do then it's you have to be very intentional with it and it works the there is no like book about how to do it, or maybe there is, I haven't read it, but <laughs> that's kind of a good way to think about it. Now coming to your question about, what is it about storytelling? Yep, storytelling. Okay, what was it about? 
Why so, is it important? Yes, why is it important in today's day and age? Storytelling has always been important. That's how we learn as humans, right? Mm. So if you think about a lot of our cultures are very story driven. My culture is extremely story driven. A lot of, uh, sure, your culture or your family, like every family has a tradition. Every family has stories, right? And that's how we are. We love stories in everything that we do. We lo love stories. Like who doesn't like gossip? Like, you know, it can be celebrity gossip or whatever. <laughs> who wore what? These are all stories that we tell ourselves. So saying that, you know, oh, now storytelling is important in this aspect of life or that aspect of life. Storytelling has always been how we have learned things, how mm. we have evolved, and that storytelling then used different tools mm. to um, spread across. English is not my first language. Sometimes I forget words. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, we've had tools that we've used to spread our stories, right? Mm. So be those tools, be your uh, printing presses, be those, those tools could be internet, any tool that you have, those tools have always been there to tell a story for us. And um, I think this like thing where people are like, oh, this stage of the life, like storytelling is important it's all your life. There's no like professional life or personal life. It's just life. It's one life. Deal with it in one go. Be holistic about it. And then how everything, I think being able to tell that authentic story is extremely important. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Aziz is showing love. He's saying we need to eliminate repetitive tasks with robotics and automation. I love leveraging emerging technologies. Any thoughts on this? Yes, 100 <laughs> percent. I'm with you, Aziz, on that. I'm working on that future with you. <laughs> so how do you stay motivated with all that you do and juggle, Asra? I just have a very specific view of the world that I want to live in. And yeah. every day that world doesn't happen or happens, every day we make progress or don't make progress yeah. in itself is a lot of motivation. I grew up in a culture where you're told, oh, you're a woman, so you can't. Yeah. I was told a lot of can'ts, so you can't do this, or everything that you can do is tied to somebody else's sense of who you have to be, right? Mm. So in my family, everybody's sense of honor is tied to the length of my sleeves or my character or something, right? And for me, just that motivation initially came from just the, the effort or the work it, it that was required to be who I wanted to be, mm. just being the person that I want to be. Then this thought of freedom. And for me, freedom is the ability to be, think, and say what I want to say, mm. right? Just that motivates me. Building a world where we have tools that enable us to do that. Building a world where we have, where more people have that opportunity to do that. I think all of these things, you need to have some sort of a worldview, and then that motivates you. Mm, mm, vision. I love it. I love it. Definitely. We're definitely getting some thoughts on that. Rick is asking you, you know, how about storytelling as it relates to finances and maybe how you communicate your numbers, things like that in business? I'm, I'm guessing is what he, he's saying. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, numbers tell a story on their own. <laughs> like, unless unless you want SEC to come after you, you don't want to tell a story. About, you don't want to tell a story that your numbers don't tell. Um, but I think 
it's extremely, especially like when you're pitching to investors or whenever you're building something, you have to put a number down to it mm-hmm. and then kind of work your way backwards to, okay, this is where I want to get at. How are we going to get to that point? And every single thing is then kind of that story or that sales pitch. You're selling that story to your customers. You're selling that story to your investors. You're selling that story to people that you're going to hire. Mm. And numbers are a great data point or numbers really help you ground that story and turn it from fiction to reality. So true. So true. And, you know, even for, for me, you know, as we were building guide and, and we're fundraising, what, pe- what people don't really realize about the fundraising process is that you have to be very pragmatic and very realistic on what your numbers are. No matter what stage you are, as long as you are, people are going to be able to understand that um, and you f- if you feel with the investor's thesis. So shout out to Oscar for definitely sharing those gems. And Rick, great question. Now they're saying racks to riches stories are always very inspiring. So she is in inspired by you as well as a uh, as a as a woman leader you know and, and i love that we were talking about kind of the fact that society often tries to castrate and put women in these holes because one of the things i really wanted to ask you um on our show is how can we have women developing the confidence to stand out in their careers uh, now right when i think the 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 way that the world is moving is that we definitely need to empower women one of the things i, I think i think I, I don't know if i share this with you but i'm personally a feminist and it's crazy that we continue to see issues in the world where there's policies and then the systems that aren't equitable so i would love your thoughts on you know where can women really get the confidence to take ownership and have a seat at the table in their careers don't wait for anybody to give you that seat on the table, like mm-hmm. build your own table. Um, so for me, I think, I don't think society only does it to women. Yeah. Society does it to everybody. Like people want you, want like everybody. If, if it was possible, people would certain, um, there are certain sects or certain sections of um humanity mm-hmm. that greatly benefit from telling other people what to do yep. and fear and guilt are the most commonly used and the most powerful um ways to do that right mm-hmm. so if you can instill fear and if you can instill guilt in any group of individuals be those males or females or be those a certain race be those a certain religion you've got them you've got them in a box where you can then either profit off of them take away their rights and mold their story however it suits for your benefit and the the best thing about humans and the human mm. mind is their ability to rebel against that, their ability to break free from that, and their ability to walk away from that. Mm. Where we're born, who we're born as, these are all accidents. But what happens after that is a choice. And some of these choices are extremely hard to make. Like there have been so many times in my life when I was just like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to go home today and figure out who my mom wants me to get married to, marry (laughs) that guy and have him pay my bills for the rest of my life and not worry about it, right? Because that is the easy life to have where there are going to be house help, there's going to be fancy cars, there's going to be everything. But 
I wouldn't get a say in anything, but mm. it's easy, right? It's an easier life to have, but at some point in time, you have to make that choice. And once you make that choice, you have to keep making that choice every single day. And I think I don't believe in anybody giving me the right to be who I want to be. I was born with that right, and I'm just going to take it. And yes, it's going to be hard. I've had to leave friends, make new friends, mm -hmm. because it didn't work out for me. There have been times when because I don't want to fill my mind with junk, I couldn't find anything to watch on TV. And I haven't watched TV for a very long time. And I yeah. I was bored out of my mind. But once you make a choice, you kind of stick with it, right? And you know that it's the right choice to make you stick with it. And then you work toward, like work upwards from it. And mm. it's like, it's one of those like roads less traveled. It's a harder road to travel, like be on. And, I also understand that not everybody's going to be on that road, which is fine. But if you want to be that person, then it's totally worth it. I love that so much, Astra. And, you know, for me, I have two sisters. So, you know, it's this is the type of wisdom that I often share with them is that don't wait for anyone to, to give you a seat at the table. Go for it and create your own table. And more importantly, bring others with you. And I think this type of mindset is something that we need to instill in our next generation so much. So thank you so much for sharing that. Mm -hmm. You know, Shout out to Rick, who's saying, I love it. Build your own table. Women have the intellect and experience now to build their own empires 120%. Love it. Yeah, and while we're on that topic of building our own tables, yeah, don't also be okay with somebody labeling, like putting a label on you. Mm. Labels are extremely dangerous. They are so dangerous. <laughs> labels are extremely dangerous because then what happens is that the minute you're, you tell your you're okay with the label, you can't pick and choose. You can't say, all right, you know what? I'm going to be a feminist, but I'm going to be the good kind of feminist. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be the man-hating, you know, whatever feminist in the world. That's not how labels work. Mm -hmm. Once you aspire, once you agree to a label being used for you or at you, then everything, you aspire to everything in that label, then you represent mm -hmm. everything then you represent the least common denominator of, mm. of what that label has to present. And somehow that part of it usually is what gets projected higher, right? So I usually, like I, as a rule, shy away from putting labels on myself mm. because mm. everybody else wants to put you in a box. Why would you want to do it to yourself? Mm. Mm. Let people pick and choose what box they want to put you in you don't you decide what box you want to be in and it's better if you don't want to be in any box mm, mm. wisdom wisdom so let me ask you you know with you know with you know, you, you develop a very disciplined mindset what for you personally has been some of the things that has allowed you to cultivate this mindset in terms of how you approach your career and uh and life i just don't think about my career separate from my life for one it's my life I don't think about, oh, this is my personal time and this is my work time. It's my time. I can do what I want to do with it. But how I've done it, I, in retrospect, everything's a straight line, right? So if every somebody, I can make up a story about it. But the honest truth is, I don't know. It's just something that I've tested a lot of things. I've wasted a lot of my time as well. I've chased <laughs> boys that broke my heart. I've chased, like, you know, <laughs> jobs that never happened, money that I never made 
but I've learned from those and moved on. Mm -hmm. But it. I think consolidating everything really helped because mm -hmm. that way I could really, um, you know, I don't like using this term, but then 10x my, um, you know, output. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a good way to, you know, understand it. Yeah, yeah. And also understand where you're putting your most, your energy and effort, right? Yeah. You know, I would love for you to share a little bit about, you know, uh, speaking, um, some of the places that you speak that, because there's a lot of people within our guide community who are always looking to speak or understand how do they build their own business and really build their personal brand. What are two to three tips that have, allowed you to effectively scale your impact as a speaker and thought leader in this space? So I don't know where I learned this, but um, one of my teachers always said, if you start something, if you start a story with a drag, nobody's going to listen to you. Mm. So you always start your story at the top. At the bang, with the bang. Yeah, always start your story with a bang and then make sure that you're only making two points in that story. And you repeat those two points three times each. Wow, that's a powerful tip. <laughs> and somehow I just I just do that. So I was really good at debates. And that was the only thing I did. I would just pick on two points and hammer those in. And every single time, and I mean I'm sure like a lot of people do that. And that's just something. So it's just start at the top and then pick two points, hammer those in, think of it as a wave, and just just you know, you start with a high point, you go, okay, you break it down, and then you go back up, repeat, break it down, go back up, repeat the point. That's, so, a, really, that's a powerful way. And that's actually a really great tip. Please write this down if you are listening and watching right now, because I think that's a really powerful tip. And, you know, for similar to you, you know, as a speaker, it's something that I, actually, I use that I use a very similar uh, uh, a tip, but I actually usually keep it at three points, but you break it down and you go back up. But it keeps things high level, but also allows you to go really, really deep so people can contextualize it. Powerful <laughs> tip. Definitely note that down if you're listening. And then to your question about how I built it, I just... So again, if I have to do something, I just put my like mind at it. So I figured out, you know what, how do I find extra money to invest? And I was like, all right, I can do speaking gigs. And that's something that's going to help me make money. And I think of most everything as a sales bit, as a sales funnel. So I literally created a funnel and uh, the first one I did myself, the next time I hired somebody to do it. But the first one I created myself and it was, okay, these are the people who pay you to speak. I have done very few unpaid speaking engagements wow. because I, I just don't think it's a good use of my time. I was doing, I was going and doing the speaking circuit for a very specific thing. And at that point, the goal was to make money from that and start putting that money, investing that money. Mm. So, um, 2000, I think 16 was the first year I actually actively did it. And I did it for two years. Uh, and all the money that I made from my speaking gigs, I just invested it back in startups. So that's what I did. Boom. Transferred. <laughs> but it's a, it's a sales, it's a sales cycle. You build a funnel and you go down that funnel. It's as simple as that. I love it. I love it. It's really, it's really. Thank you so much, Astra. You know, I want to ask you, you know, where can the people on our, in our God community follow you and connect with your work and the movement that you're building? Um, anywhere that you use social platforms. I'm not, uh, I'm not active, but I reply to all my messages. Yay! So if you message me, I will get back to you. Sweet. Love it. Love it. So what would be your powerful takeaway for our amazing guy community on how they can take control of their careers in the future of work? 
do what you want to do with your life. Mm. Like, that's it. There's no other way. It's your only life. You're not going to get another one. So um, don't wait for opportunities. Create them and do you. Do you. you know, it, 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 this is how casual and cool Asra is in person, y'all. <laughs> and authentic, right? You know, and it's, it's why I was so excited to really have her on today's live episode. You know, shout out to you. Thank you so much, Asra, for finding time and making time to bless us and grace us with your presence. You know, please definitely connect with her on LinkedIn and Twitter. She's super active and, and you know, is one is literally one of the people that I'm looking at within this space in building, cultivating the, the future that we're currently living in right now. With that said, thank you so much, Asra, for being on today's episode. We definitely need to have you on for future live episode what do you think i would love to do that and then if anyone of you is or knows a great mathematician or anybody who wants to learn and is really enthusiastic about math or ai or just essentially building the future please feel free to connect them to us we're hiring Woo! love it love it love it thank you so much Oscar. talk to you soon thank you so much bye <laughs> bye with that said isn't Astro amazing? That concludes this live episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a guy podcast, B2B jam session. Please make sure to check out Astra. She is a phenomenal, phenomenal woman leader and someone I'm really passionate to know. You know, and if you have any questions on the future of work, AI, machine learning technology, as well as how it's transforming education, she works a lot with Draper University. So she's definitely someone that you should connect with and learn from if you're interested. With that said, GuideApp.co beta is still in motion. We have gotten over 200 people in our wait list who are excited about the release of our platform and we're building our creator community. So if you're interested, sign up for GuideApp.co on our website, sign up for our beta. We're incredibly excited to have you. In addition to that, reach out to me if you're interested in being on maybe a future episode of our live podcast. Our platform is your platform. So please let us know, amazing guy community. With that said, once again, talk to you all soon. Peace, love, and abundance. Bye.